Welcome to Bite Size Career Advice, where Kendall and I will dig into the challenging world of job searching, career development, career growth, and managing tough work-life situations. Welcome back to Bite Size Career Advice with Shannon and Kendall. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Our guest, Nate, talks about his journey through working for a company on a product he loved, but working for a toxic manager. Nate carries us on a journey, and we discuss how his job affected his sense of self-worth, personal health, he received a demotion in his role, and got to a point where his ideas were no longer heard, and it was all for a company he believed in and a product he loved. Nate finally takes a plunge, leaves his job, fishes in Alaska, and learns the importance of building community at work. Through this building of community and his new role, he worked through a difficult family experience, and his new coworkers embraced him. If you have questions or ideas for topics, reach out to Kendall and Shannon. Contact us at bitesizecareer at gmail.com. That is bitesizecareer at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us at Bite Size Career Advice with Shannon and Kendall. Uh, We have another guest today. His name's Nate. We're excited to have Nate because he is... It has a lot of expertise in his field, but this is a little bit different spin. This is really going after somebody who's not in HR. He's really going to give us some advice about like when is it time to leave a job, things to consider, starting a new job. And I think he's got some really good ideas around things that could help people in figuring out how do they know when they need to make that decision to make a move. Because Nate it was in a unique position having been at a company for how long were you at your last company? 12 years. 12 years. Or almost 12 years. 12. I was right on the cusp. Yeah. yeah. So so been there for a while. So it is that that is a huge decision to, to make a move like that. And then starting somewhere new is hard too because now you've gone from knowing something for 12 years and then you move into something else. Mm-hmm. Nate, give some people the background of just what your expertise is. What do you do sure. for, for a living? Uh, I currently work on video and film editing software. Uh, I'm in the quality assurance part of the uh, workflow, which is basically engineers, code stuff. My job is to break it, write bugs, hopefully increase the quality of the software. Uh, I ended up in this job somewhat by mistake. I didn't intend on working in tech. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Through a series of fortunate events, I guess, uh, I found myself uh, working for a large tech company that make, made the tool that I really loved and it was basically my dream job for six or seven of those years and then <laughs> sort of shifted to like n- like not so much of a dream, I guess yeah. a nightmare job. <laughs> uh, it still had a lot of great things about it. So it's interesting. So like basically my job is to translate art to engineers and engineers to artists yeah. because I'm sort of like a universal connector between two worlds that sort of don't always get along very yeah. well. It's probably <laughs> hard. Uh, it, it used to be harder for me because I definitely fell on more of the artistic side and I was always like, these, what are these, these engineers are crazy, what's going on? But then as I got to know the process more, you know, I was able to see the other side and sort of see the two ways that they just... It's very easy for me to see the communication breakdowns between them, so I was always trying to... I guess it's kind of like how a diplomat works, you know, where they yeah. go in and try to get people to talk to each other that want to, like, fight. Um, and that's that's sort of what I, I guess... That's, that's the a larger arc of what yeah. I see my job description to be. 
We do that in HR. Same thing. We try to get people to... Conflict (laughs) resolution. (laughs) Lots of conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. So having been at that company for 12 years, and you and I have known each other for... Gosh, fifteen or sixteen, yeah, yeah, for a while, and so we we've had different conversations over the years. That's crazy. It has, it has, because and the only reason I know is because I I met you right when I was newly pregnant with my daughter. So Mm -hmm. we can always like just turned fifteen. Yes, crazy. (laughs) So so I guess we're almost we're Mm -hmm. almost at our sixteen year friendship anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, So and we had talked different times. I think where you know you'd reach out and we would chat about. Oh, whenever I had HR issues, I'd call you because I'd be like, (laughs) can they do this? And he'd be like, yes. (laughs) And then I'd be like, oh, man. Man, I don't know about this. Yeah. But uh, but you had, you really thought about, you know, leaving or not leaving. Yes. And I think sometimes when people do that, there's like this evolution you have to go through and you finally have to come to a place Mm -hmm. because you were in a great job, great pay, great, I mean, you know, great, wonderful benefits. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. offered a lot. But I believed in the product a lot, too. Yeah. I mean, that's where the real, of all the things that started to go bad for me, what really kept me there, I mean, granted, having a good paying job makes it harder to leave, yeah. uh, especially when they're basically printing money yeah. at a certain point. It changes the whole dynamic of it, yeah. but... Uh, you know, it was sort of just the the concept of had it just been that I would have left. But like I, I so believed in the product and loved the product so much. I I was like I can make this work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's sort of have you ever seen Batman the old the Batman from the nineties with uh, Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton? Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's a line I never understood as a kid. It took me years, and because when he kills Bruce Wayne's parents, he says. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? And I was always like, what does that mean? (laughs) And then after a while, after having a really toxic boss and knowing what I could expect from them, I was like, oh, I'm dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. And I thought I could, because I knew what I was doing going into it, I was like, I'll be fine because like, I know what it is. I can compartmentalize it. But the truth is, is after a while, you're just like, I'm dancing with the devil. Yeah. You know, they, I had done, um... For some of my research I did when I did my master's, there was, we really studied about basically people's views with compensation. Mm-hmm. And the the number one thing that make people view their compensation and the benefits and things about the company positively is mm-hmm. their connection with their manager. Yes. It's also people seeing their manager as the ability to, if they feel like their manager can influence above them they tend to be more loyal and, and tied. So the manager mm-hmm. has such a such a big piece in how, how the person works. So was that so was that let's talk about your drivers and you making that decision to then My dri- that, oh uh, the, what made me decide to, to yeah. move? Yeah. Uh it was affecting my personal life outside of work. It was making me unhappy. Um, it was affecting my sense of self worth. Uh, I forgot that I was good at what I did. It was uh, actually like there, and there's it started to like have this feeling of meaninglessness, like well, like yeah. all these things. Because like when I first sort of hit this wall, basically the way my brain works is I'm a fairly intuitive thinker, um, and through my entire life I've always just sort of tried to be me, and I it, I was successful at it. Um, which is to, isn't to say like I think I have all the answers, but it was like I like what my gut feelings were always took me to a place where 
bosses loved me and all these things, but then I got this boss that just didn't like me. Yeah. And I refused to believe that they didn't like me. Like, because I thought it had to be me. I'm doing something wrong. And then I literally tried to change everything about me. And it spirals, and how I worked. too. Yeah. At a certain point. Yeah, it, it spirals badly. <laughs> badly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I was in management. I got demoted. Um, you know, and there was... It's just one of those things where, like... And I was trying so hard to get back on that track. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I realized... I was being led along because my boss didn't want to get rid of me, found me valuable, but didn't want me in any form of leadership. I mean, really, how are you able to see that? You know, what? Because some people can't see that. Some people can't see it's not necessarily them. It's Mm -hmm. their boss. Because sometimes, I will say, some managers, bosses, whatever, Mm -hmm. some really are really good at camouflaging it and making you feel as if it's all you and it's not that just even though i knew it wasn't all me i still was able to be convinced by the boss that it was all me yeah and part of it actually i mean my wife uh christina is part of the reason why i was able to see this because she's really smart and when i tell her what things are going on she'd be like well don't you see it's really this and i'd be like you're right (laughs) Um, she, you know, and it's, so it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still actually sort of processing that part yeah. of it. It takes a while. It's not yeah. an overnight thing. It know? really affected my confidence. And mm-hmm. I thought I, I, I became afraid of saying, I got to the point too, where I was so afraid that my ideas would be shot down, that I was sending my good ideas through other people. Because I knew that they were good for the product, but if I told my boss about them, they would dismiss them out of hand. Mm -hmm. But if I could convince someone else to tell my boss about it, they would like it. Yeah. And that was also sort of how I... Also, Game of Thrones, when Tyrion, like gives different information to different coworkers to see the one that's like <laughs> snitching him out. Right. Yeah. I tried that. It totally works. <laughs> uh, and I found like the people I knew would gossip to my boss and I would plant ideas that way. And which oh, is, interesting. it's like a soft power thing Yeah, mm-hmm. where I, I was still getting what I wanted, but ultimately I was getting no recognition for it. Yeah. Mm. I, I wonder if it, because sometimes when you're in it, it's hard mm-hmm. to like step back and be like, "What mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah. But it sounds like what you're saying is when it's almost harder to get your ideas across and you're having to find mm-hmm. ways to maneuver through work in, in ways in which it's taking a lot of energy to that. That's probably a good indicator that is this really the right place for me? Still? That's exactly. Yeah, well, especially when you're making changes and you're really going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I went all the way around on the wheel, you know, yeah. and then I came back <laughs> to this point where I mean, I even did this thing where I went back to school. I was taking classes to prove to myself that I was smart and could get good grades. So, I, I, I uh, full disclosure, I never graduated college. Uh, and I've always had a weird shame thing about it because, you know, it just seems like something everyone's supposed to do and I didn't do it. And so whenever and I, I, I taught myself how to use computers and I got into this job. And I, so I, there was always part of me that felt like... I didn't realize that my accomplishments was teaching myself so much, but I had convinced myself I was a huge fraud, mm. which, you know, I know now that that's not the case and right. I can actually see the accomplishment of what I did, but at the time I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. And my boss yeah. read that about me somehow and used it. Mm. 
in ways that uh, I could never report to HR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we have... Kendall and I have an episode coming up that talks about toxic bosses mm-hmm. and, and the different types. And, and toxic not only is meaning um, you had more of an extreme situation where truly was, yeah. there was it was affecting. But there's situations where you call it toxic because there's certain ways in which your manager is. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. And, mm-hmm. and finding some ways to work with their style. So, yeah, um, I by no means think I'm perfect yeah, in we, any of this. Like, I know I'm, I'm not saying like that I'm blame free or mistake free in any of this. Yeah. But it's hard to yeah. make that to figure out. It's like any relationship: is it them or is it me, or yeah. is it a mix? And and when am I ready to like not be in this this type of relationship well, anymore? When you're right, <laughs> when you're right in the middle of it, you don't, yeah. you can't see it. You have, you can't have a clear vision of really what's going on because you're right mm-hmm. in the middle of it, yeah. and you're kind of clouded by different things. So it's important. I think it's important to when you're having a difficult time to be able to go to someone on the outside, not really someone you work with necessarily, yep. but somebody on the complete outside. Be like, hey, this is what's going on. Is mm-hmm. this a problem? Just yeah. like you did with you know Christina. Well, that's why having like a wife who's a career coach is like. Amazing. Pretty yeah. good thing yeah. to have. Because <laughs> our audience knows her, and, yes. and according to our numbers, they love her, yep. which we, we, well, we had so much fun with that episode. She, yeah, but she's I mean, they're fantastic. not the only one. There's a reason that, you know, I married her. Yeah. Or she married me. <laughs> yeah. I'm the lucky one. Uh, well, Kendall, you had, an ep- you had a situation where mm-hmm. you're, you had a boss one time giving you feedback about something they thought you needed to do better. And we, oh, and we man. were talking about the funny thing was, is it was like, yeah, well, maybe you can make some tweaks. But the reality was it was what you actually were complained about them about. You were like, yeah, they're telling me this. So essentially they turned it on me. Yeah. Oh, they, they were marrying back what you said to yes, you and twisting yes. it. Yeah. They took their time yeah. the way to do it. I mean, it was definitely, oh, it, it was interesting. I'll just say I'm my, my boss <laughs> did some of that as well. Any yeah. Anything where I would share self-awareness about things mm-hmm. I could do to improve upon. Mm-hmm. And especially if I'd already improved upon it and yeah. then it was thrown back at me, I'd be like, what? What? <laughs> you didn't even notice. You would have never noticed had I not told you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely someone who I love to be given feedback, especially if it's something mm-hmm. where I can improve on something. I I'll take that all day and I will use that and try to improve on it. But if it's thrown at me in a very negative, horrible way where I'm like, wait a minute. I I what? <laughs> well, especially when there's no actionable data with yes. it, like yeah. that, and that. But yes. that's also a very common toxic box trick, because because mm-hmm. when you're at the top of the power dynamic, they don't have to explain anything to you if right. they choose not to. It yeah. can just be like, do it because I say so, right? And then you're like, well, like I either do what they say or, but if it's something I was given impossible tasks sometimes, yeah. and I'd be like, this isn't. This is impossible to succeed at, and then finally, I was like, "Oh, that's the point." Yeah, this is this yeah. is a mind breaker, and it's unfortunate because I have worked for some great bosses where it felt like the the people I try to seek are people where it feels like a partnership. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're both trying to get to the same goal. You're going to mm-hmm. tell them your thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's an area you have greater expertise in, there, you're hoping that they. Yeah, that they're paying attention to that, but it also may not be the same way they'd get there. But they right. allow you to do it because it still reaches the same goal. Because mm-hmm. they trust you. Yes, and so it's all about trust. Yeah. yeah, my boss didn't trust me for whatever reason, or didn't want me to think 
they trusted me. Yeah. So the I think the whole whole toxic bossing is is a big mm-hmm. obviously the the your manager has a huge influence on how your job goes and sure. how you're liking things and stuff and so it sounds like for you that was your that, that was, was a your big indicator. part of it also the, the company's values were changing yeah that's a big part too I mean being in a place for that long that has experienced such uh, like when I started at that company my division was like the top group in the company and by the time I left. We were like on a secondary campus, like a mile and a half away from headquarters. Yeah. So, you guys with black sheep. Kind of. It was just like the amount of money being made by other things mm-hmm. so dwarfed what we did, and we and it's funny because we used to be like the top earners, and we just weren't. Yeah. That also messed it up too because that made a lot. There were a lot of people in the company that had this legacy of thinking like they were the kings and queens of everything. And it's like, the situation's changed. Yeah. And if you want to... There's a lot of churn. There was like, there's a fair amount of firings of upper management in the organization and constantly being moved around under under people, so that... Other people. So that that also had part of it, uh, or that was also part leading to sort of like just my general uncomfortableness, I yeah. think, in the situation, because that sort of situation is always like... Is this job going to be around? Yeah, you kind of you worry a, about that. And a boss that likes to put the pressure on you uses that yeah. as a billy club. Ugh. And one of the important things I do want to say, and, and mm-hmm. really commend you for, because a lot of people, when they go into these tough situations as far as change in an organization, mm-hmm. and, and they kind of turn around and run from it. But it takes someone who is really trying to work it through to make sure they're in the place they should be or shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot it takes a lot of emotional effort to do that and to do it Thank for you. a while. And so I think it is a big That's part of the reason I stayed, because I, I had this feeling that I'd always run away from things when they got hard. Like yeah. why I didn't graduate college, why I quit Boy Scouts right before I was gonna be an Eagle Scout. Like I know this is sounds insane to bring up but yeah. it really affected it like had this thing it's like I can tough this out yeah I'm not gonna run away like getting demoted and then like your manager's now someone that you used to be their boss yeah I mean it sucks and right. granted they like the people the two people that like ended up being my boss that I used to be their manager were so respectful to me and like made, they made it easy for me and I respect them as like my boss's boss that was really the problem yeah uh, so I mean yeah, it was. I mean, there, there's a lot of crap sandwiches to be eaten in that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like. That. I will not lie. It, it, it was a very humbling thing, uh, and I and, and in a lot of ways, like that part of it, I actually feel made me a better person. Yeah, it, it, those things, those situations do like you know push you. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in high school, I was told I was not. I'm using air quotes. College material. Oh. Oh, we must when be I was in, When I was in high school. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. But the but the counselor had, had told my mom that. And so she was like, okay, That's let's just, load let's load just load get it. I know. Okay, go on. It's crazy. But it drove me that I ended up going on to get a graduate degree. And I think the heavy motivation for that was like, screw them. I'm going to show them I'm smart. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to, but there was a part of me that almost needed to do it to prove mm-hmm. to myself that I wasn't that person that don't they... Don't tell me what I can't do. Right. Right. So well, that's was. that's been a huge motivator of my entire life. Yeah. I'm trying to get away from it now because I think it's not good for me physically. <laughs> because I mean like to 
to use anger as a motivate. Well, yeah. for me, I'm not speaking for you, but for yeah. me, the chip on the shoulder thing was definitely like, I'm going to prove them wrong, you know? Yeah. And, but then after a while I was like, do I still need to prove them wrong? I don't think I do. Yeah. No. Cause I think I've, everything's kind of worked out for me. Yeah. So that so you leave that job, which I was yeah. I was excited, like yes. kind of surprised, excited like, when you it took shared me a it long out there. time to find another. I'm very picky about yeah. jobs too, and like I'm also in a weird niche place, so it it took a while to find a job as well. Yeah. So and you, yeah, I mean, when you start a new job, mm-hmm. you often forget how uncomfortable certain things are when yes. you start that job. Because mm-hmm. you go from being in this comfort level of your previous company, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're in this new role, mm-hmm. um, new company, new role, and you know different things. You know, it's uncomfortable. Is really yeah. what it is. You know, how yeah. do you navigate through that? Well, there's uh, so the. The thing that was re- actually this uh, is uh, partially my introversion and shyness around people, and then also just sort of how sort of injured I think I was emotionally during this switch. I mean, because I was very happy to switch jobs. I mean, I was I quit my job. I went to Alaska and like had an adventure <laughs> fishing for a week, and was like it was like one of the funnest weeks I've ever had. And I came back and started my new job, and like people. Um, like eat lunch together there. Yeah. They don't they didn't do that at my other job. Or it was like there was weird clicks and there's always weird power games. Whereas my new company is very much like it's like a family. And yeah. like they always were inviting me. And at first I was like, why why are you inviting me to lunch? What do you want? <laughs> Which I realized that's what do you want? Yeah. That's how suspicious <laughs> <Right>. I was. <laughs> and I and I and I was coming home, I was trying to explain this to Christina. I'm like I was like, I was really messed up about this other place because that's how I was thinking about stuff. And like, yeah, that's just all gone now. Well, I think my biggest thing with um, starting a new job and went from one company to another and that my previous, you know, older company, I, it was always, you make a mistake and, oh, it's a really bad thing. You're going to be in trouble. It's almost like you're going to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. And then I go to this new company and mistakes happen, they're like, okay, well, they sit down with you and say, okay, well, this is how we're going to fix it. Nobody gets super intense about it. There's nothing thrown. There's no craziness. <laughs> right. And I had this PTSD of the minute something happened, I was like, oh. Waiting and for the avalanche. Yeah, I was waiting for something to come down on me. And, you know, at this newer company, the, you know, boss and boss's boss mm-hmm. and other people were like, it's no big deal. This is yeah. how we're going to fix it. And so that's normal. So that is a normal response yep. to that, but I wasn't I so. used to normal yeah. response. And your normal is like people should go to lunch together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now, yeah. Before, well, my first two years at the old company, I spent like most of my time in an office not talking to anybody. They're like, I wasn't really accepted into the group. The people that had accepted me all like left within the first six months actually t- three of them to go to the company I'm at now oh. uh, funny how things like that work right, out right um and oh you know it's just like the whole thing of and it and it's actually because at because of my experience in that when i was moved into management whenever i hired new people i'd always like take them out for lunch for like the first week i made sure they got introduced to everybody and not just that like going around to the office like here's so-and-so 
<laughs> you know, because some people come in and they just like never got accepted into the group, and like it was very clicky and weird, and like. And as it went on, it became very clear certain people were, like, the favorites, and they got to do special things that people didn't get to do. And I had been in the group that did the special things, and I got kicked <laughs> out of the group that did the special things. Then I realized how much more it even sucked then. Uh, but I tried, that was one of the things I tried to make it much more, um, you know, equal for everybody that worked. And I think this is part of the reason why I ran into trouble, because it was, like, pretty much anyone that worked for me liked me, whereas other there's other bosses where people like they just were like patently unlikable and I realized oh being likable because I was like how could being likable ever be used against you yeah right and the interesting part but I was a sucker <laughs> oh no you know about that you know? well yeah mm-hmm. and the interesting part is uh, I was at a company where people weren't as supportive they would pretend to be supportive right. and there were certain people of course that were mm-hmm. but then I go to another company and everyone's supportive because you have bad days. Everybody Mm -hmm. has bad days. Even if you really like your job, you're going to have those sucky, Mm -hmm. horrible days. And at that company, everybody would be like, oh, oh yeah, here's an example when this has happened to me. Oh, this is how I kind of work through it. Like supporting supporting the team because it's... Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a really important thing because like you should never judge anybody on uh, their best day or their worst day. You right. should judge people on what their average day is. And I think yeah. that's something that gets forgotten a lot. Um, it's, it's because true. I'm I'm all over the map. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I no, assume other people are. No, that are. actually is a, is a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. But it, it is true because a lot of times those are what get highlighted. So these yeah. outliers get highlighted where someone has one great day or one mm-hmm. super crappy mm-hmm. day. And that overshadows that they're actually, you know, you really good at average. what they do. Yeah, you know that that is a good point. So we had, so Nate, we had talked a little bit before mm-hmm. before talking about the idea around this podcast. And yeah. one of the things you had brought up when you're going into a new job is really building community. So talk yes. a little bit about that. Well, um, for me, I'll be honest. I often depend on other people to do it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, just just I, I'll I'll try to tell this as quickly as possible. Like so, Christina and I were trapped in a hurricane, uh, if you recall. Yep, and yep. one of the things that like I really learned like is like we were at a resort, and usually when I go to resorts, like I don't like try to make new friends. At the resort. <laughs> That's just not who I am. Christina, yeah. talks to everybody. <laughs> she does. But after you get stranded, because we were stranded there for like five days after the storm, and you have to like it's like live together, die alone. It's like lost. You're on a tropical island you got to figure out a way to make it work or you're gonna like fail so you know like just learning to like like in, you know and christina is always like a very easy entry point for me into like talking to people because i get to sit there she'll do most of the heavy lifting and then i get to like throw in a joke and then they're like ha ha, ha we know you now uh <laughs> we, we like you know you're just not the glowering guy over in the corner anymore <laughs> whereas you know at work stuff it's like cause i'm i have to do it myself and you know part of it is like i try to me i usually use humor and try to like you know make fun of stuff like and have fun with people that's are also uh one of the things one of my strengths is like i'm good at making pe- people feel better um you know, and I had, like, also on day three of my new job, my dad had a stroke. So, yeah. like, I had to accept them. I had to, like, be very open and honest with them immediately and tell them where I was emotionally. 
And like, cause I, like I was there for three days and then I had to like leave and go home and, or I didn't have to, but I chose to leave and go home and help my family and like be there and, you know, and all this stuff. Cause I was so afraid, you know, of like being, telling them this. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I just started. And now I have to like sell this stuff and people are sending me stuff. Can you help me with this bug? Help me that. And I'm like, look, I'm getting on a plane in eight hours. I got to go. And they're just like, family always comes first. Yeah. And more than one person said that to me and that I would just sort of, it made it very easy for me to open up my heart to them yeah. after that because I felt accepted. Um, and that was a big deal. It is one of the, with, with building, building those mm-hmm. relationships and community it is some of it is about that vulnerability that you have to be. And sometimes you, sometimes you were sort of had to, to get, be more vulnerable than yes. you had planned within your first three days, but yep. showing some of that builds that community mm-hmm. and it, and I think it builds the connections of people that where Kendall was saying, you know, people are supportive and if you make mm-hmm. a mistake and you, you tell people and let them know so that you're all trying to, fi- you know, figure mm-hmm. out how we, how do we do this together? I used to try to hide that vulnerability yeah. because I thought it would make me look weaker, mm-hmm. which now I know it's the exact opposite. Right. Right. Uh, another Another interesting thing we talked about when you're starting a new job. Mm-hmm. So, so Nate downplays himself or he about not having the degree, but Nate is probably one of the smartest people I know. And I and I Thank say you. that because he not only he is he is like very white, worldly smart about things. I mean, you can pick a topic and he probably knows something about it and he'll always know some obscure facts about (laughs) (laughs) that I feel like I could footnote him if I was writing a paper on on whatever that topic is. So, you know, you, you go to a new company, you're, Mm -hmm. you're an expert in in what you're doing based on whether it's the software or or the, um, the the quality work that that Mm -hmm. you're doing. How do you go into those situations and not, not come across as being arrogant and how do you balance that? Have confidence in what you're doing, but not try to be like the smartest guy in the room. First off, thank you very much. It's a very nice compliment. Yeah, and I'm I, trying to learn how to take compliments. It's a struggle <laughs> me for me. Me too. I'm, we all I, are. Yes. I am too. <laughs> so I'm, uh, this is something I've talked to with like my therapist about, and she says, you have to like marinate in it. So thank you. Yeah. Um, for me, and this is, and and it's easy for me to speak about this because when I was younger, I was definitely a lot more arrogant. Um, and this is the chip on the shoulder thing too, because I'm like, I'll show you what I know. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna win by losing or lose by winning. However, that I don't know, but uh, that whole thing because like what I've really learned now is like when I go into situations because like I do know a lot of things, but there's a lot of things I don't know. And I, and I think it's sort of like the opposite of the, the Dunning-Kruger effect where, like, the more you know, the less you believe you know in some ways. And now I have no problem talking to people and saying, like, I don't know what this means. What do I need? To, and, I, and sometimes I don't need to understand everything that they have, but I'm just like, just tell me what it is I need to know to get through this. And, and like, instead of, like, trying to show off, it's, like, present... I try to present myself with humility to people I think that know more about something than me, which I think is a lot of people. Yeah. You know, depending on what the subject is, because a lot of people are very smart at different things. And it's like, this is part of the reason why I had trouble with education as a younger person is because I hated people telling me, like, what stuff was. And I gave teachers such hard times 
which made teachers either love me or hate me depending on the kind <laughs> of teacher they were. But when I went back to school, I always made a point of like going up to the teachers. I just want to say thank you so much. Like I learned so much in this class. It really meant a lot to me. Yeah. You know, and like, and ask them questions that like, like where, where can, where can I put them in a place where they can shine and succeed and show me something new? Yeah. It's kind of that seek to, if you go into a new situation, mm-hmm. the, the seeking to understand. So you're yeah. going to give some information around, maybe, you know, something on that topic or, or sure. that situation. But also including that individual or those individuals in seeking to understand their perspective or where they're coming from and, and building that. If anything, yeah. even if you feel like you know the answer, like sometimes it just helps to let the person tell you what they know. And it mm-hmm. builds it almost the building of that relationship is more important than you knowing the answer to that I question. Agree. Sometimes I take that too far because my dad would do this thing where he would like make me figure stuff out. So instead of giving the answer... I'm always like trying to lead people to figure it out on their own. And then this is, I do this to Christina a lot and it drives her crazy. So sorry, Christina. <laughs> uh, but cause I know, and I know cause I, my dad, it would drive me crazy when my dad did it to me, but it was always that thing cause he wanted me to have the, well, I don't want to say the joy of gaining the insight, but the work of gaining the insight because I don't, I, I, I look back at it now as joyful, but in the moment, not joyful at all. Right, right. I was like, why are you doing this to me? Just tell me how it's spelled. Right. you be like, look it up in a dictionary. It's like, but I don't know how it's spelled. <laughs> it's like, you can figure it out. And so, yeah. So forcing you to, to work through that. Yes. Um, so that's a balance, though, I think. Yeah. That's like, how far do you push that? Because right. I know I can definitely be obstinate and push it too far. Yeah. So just to, I want to recap a little yeah. bit, Nate, because you gave some really good ideas. So we talked about the toxic boss stuff. And really, sure. I, I think the key to that are people stepping back and saying and looking at the mm-hmm. situation and really understanding how is this affecting me? Is this really the place for me to be here? But not mm-hmm. not trying to turn the switch too soon, just running from a situation. Because yes. you got to figure out, like, what is your piece in that situation? Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you move past it? Uh, well, there's actually a, a very interesting mind, not a game, I guess, but like a sort of like mind exercise about that that was performed on me by my career coach, a.k.a. Christina, where it would be like, where do you imagine yourself in three months or a year? Or, you know, and just that thing of like, and then when you're that you in the future, what advice would you give to yourself now? Yeah. And that was actually part of how I was able to be like, yeah, yeah, I got to go. Like it's time to make the move, you know? And, and even though I had the job, there's one point where I still had the job offer and I'm sitting there and I was giving them the opportunity to be nice to me and not, so I wouldn't quit, mm-hmm. which now like back, I was like, I was an idiot. Like I shouldn't have, like I should just ran as fast as I could, Yeah, but I was still the hooks get in. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our episode. Nate shared some great insights, and we appreciate his willingness to be very open. We hope you walk away with a couple of key things. When you have been struggling for a while in your job, and it's time to take a step back, sometimes it's not you. It's really them, and that's okay. When it seems harder to get things done, harder than it should be, this could be a good indicator that it's time to take a step back. If you find your health is being affected, it's time to take a step back. Once you step back, fortunately, you will have the choice to leave and find a new role and manager that fit you better. When starting a new job, build a community 
This is a key factor that will help you with long-term success in your new role. If you have any questions or ideas for topics, reach out to Kendall and Shannon. Contact us at bitesizecareer at gmail.com. That is bitesizecareer at gmail.com. Thank you.